With 2021 in the rearview mirror, we're looking back on how the equipment market fared and what the future of autonomous farm machinery might look like. That's today on Field Posts. is a DTN Progressive Farmer podcast that dives deeper into the most important trends in agriculture to explore the business's cutting edge. I'm your host, Sarah Mock. Big things are happening in the world of farm equipment, whether we're looking back at the recently released 2021 sales figures or looking ahead to some big announcements arriving about electric and autonomous machines. Today, we're talking with Progressive Farmer Senior Editor Dan Miller, who is fresh off the 2022 Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, where John Deere made waves with the unveiling of their new autonomous tractor. He'll talk about what he saw and what he's learning from farmers in response. We'll dig into all these updates and learn what they might mean for folks looking to upgrade in 2022 right after this word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by MyDTN. In today's environment, it's essential more than ever to get the most current and accurate information to help save your valuable resources and continue to be profitable. Get access to all the information you need to deal with this change from DTN. As the leading independent trusted source of actionable insights and market information, MyDTN gives you accurate weather forecasts, the most extensive database of grain bids, and the most timely news and analysis from our award-winning news team. These features and more are available 24-7 via desktop, laptop, and any mobile device to be with you on the go. Learn more at mydtn.com and start a free 14-day trial. Now, back to the show. Progressive Farmer Senior Editor Dan Miller has been keeping a close eye on a whole host of announcements coming out of the world of farm equipment. Dan, we're sitting here in January 2022 finally getting some kind of final numbers as we wrapped up last year uh, in terms of where the equipment sector ended up. Give us kind of a a top line readout of what happened with equipment sales last year. Yeah, well, Sarah, it's good to talk to you again. First time in 2022. So last year, tractor and combine sales were really good overall. It was about 360,000 units of tractors and combines sold in every category, except for the very smallest ones. Sales were up over 10%. So it was a really good year. I don't know if it was a surprise. I think we're still obviously working through COVID and stuff, but the manufacturers, the tractor and combine manufacturers just don't seem to be having an overall issue with factories in terms of employees and things like that. The ongoing issue is parts, parts and materials and and that kind of thing. We hear about chips and cars and trucks, that's true for them, but also steel and aluminum and rubber and and all those kinds of things are are still an issue for them. I wonder if you can get into the details a little bit. You talked about, except for the very smallest equipment, everything had a pretty good year. Talk to us a little bit about those, the individual groups for equipment and any explanation of why that smallest group didn't have as much success in 2021? I'll take the second half of your question first. The smaller stuff, it was interesting when COVID first happened, like in March of 2020, say, sales just fell off a cliff. And I think it scared a lot of people for about a week or two there. There just was nothing going on. But then starting in April, we noticed that there was a pretty sharp increase and it continued for quite a while for the small tractors, say, and that's under 100 horsepower tractors, especially in the 40 horsepower and under. 
And I don't know if we're completely sure of what it was, but the explanations that I've gotten are that people who would travel maybe during that those winter months, go skiing, go overseas, those kinds of things, it just didn't happen. Nobody could travel. Nobody was going anywhere. So they looked around, they go, well, we've got an acreage. We've got a small, small property here. Let's do some improvements. The theory is that they were going out and buying these smaller tractors to do some improvement on their smaller acreages and stuff. And then also probably landscaping companies bought some new equipment because there was a bigger demand to, again, to get yard and, and small acreage work done. So that probably explains the smaller equipment. The bigger equipment, what I would call the more commercial size farming equipment, took a little bit longer to recover. Probably towards the very end of 2020, it started to recover. I think the money that was pumped into the farm economy, the fact that agricultural equipment manufacturing was an essential industry, all helped. And I think farmers still have to farm. And, and the equipment inventory was old, meaning the, the, the inventory that farmers hold was probably 2015, 2016 on average. It was old. Farmers had to buy new equipment or they wanted to buy new equipment. They wanted to replace the old. So that probably helped all the way through the end of 2020 and then all the way through 2021. You saw the numbers just stand really strong for the whole year. I think because of just challenges with parts and folks getting equipment as there was a little bit of a slowdown and being able to deliver those, we also saw big changes in the used market. That The used market in general was a big news item last year. How is the state of the used equipment market playing into these numbers we saw come out for, for new equipment in 2021? Yeah, I think generally the used market's been really hot. Equipment that has some technology on it, maybe not the most up-to-date technology, tractors and combines are selling really well. Things like grain trailers, grain carts, those kinds of things also are selling really well. I talked to some folks last year at the Farm Progress Show and they were talking about how some of this equipment um, was actually selling for more than new because you couldn't get new, so it didn't matter. And and, and so people were, were paying, especially things for like grain wagons, kind of those utility pieces of equipment uh, that just need to be replaced from time to time. So I think the used equipment market, from what I understand, has been generally pretty pretty hot mark. The margin between new equipment and, and used equipment for good used equipment, well-maintained used equipment has gotten narrower and narrower. And sometimes, like I said, the, the used equipment is even selling for more than new. So not a case of you, the used equipment market heating up while the new kind of languished. It was really like a both and situation. Yeah, I think the problem with the new equipment market, these numbers are really strong, but you still hear stories about just long delivery times, especially on some of the things like planters, for example. There's just, um, I talked to a farm last month in December, and he was telling me that he had ordered a planter that he expected to have for last spring, and he's not confident he'll have it for this spring. And he was told that if, if you're going to order equipment, you're ordering it now and expect delivery in 2023. Now, I don't know if that's true across the entire market, but there's a long delivery time. And I think that's fueling the used equipment market. And I think essentially areas, again, I don't know how broad it is, where manufacturers, that they're building equipment, it's called built, but not complete is the way one person put it to me. And so it, it it's not, doesn't have all its parts. It's not for sale yet, but they're keeping their equipment lines running by building 90, 95% of the machine. And they're waiting for the other parts to show up. Those supply chain challenges are certainly still there. And I'm curious what you've heard in terms of updates on that. I think it was part of the discussion that perhaps there was a possibility that could get cleared up sooner rather than later. From what you're hearing from folks in the industry, does it seem like this is a problem that is likely to continue for some time still? 
I think it's still going to be a lagging problem, at least for the first part of this year. Anyway, I've heard people thinking that once we get beyond the first quarter of this year, it'll start to improve. It's some of the same old issues as trucking, ports, having enough drivers to deliver parts and things like that to factories. There's all sorts of reasons. But I think chips, like I said, are still an issue. But but other things that are important to agriculture, like I said, the rubber, the steel, some of the those kinds of things. And the other thing is ag manufacturing competes with the auto industry, and the auto industry is so much bigger, and, and so its demand is so much larger than it is for the ag industry. So when you're thinking of somebody there with, with somebody with parts to sell, they're going to go to their biggest customers. They're going to keep the Fords and Chevys and Rams and, and, and those companies happy. So that's a, a competition that ag manufacturers are running in as well. Yeah, I have to ask as, as a part of that, you mentioned that ag manufacturers in general have largely been able to keep factories open and keep kind of workers in place. We've been dealing with a new surge over the last couple of months with the Omicron variant. Has that caused any additional disruptions that you've seen in the a little bit more recently affecting either on the manufacturing side or like in terms of service or kind of those other support roles for equipment dealers? I don't know. That would be more from what I just read. I, I, I couldn't really dial in on the, you know, the agricultural industry. I would just assume that it's like everybody else that this the Omicron is spreading so easily and so quickly that it has its impacts everywhere. Anecdotally, look at the look at the shelves in grocery stores and things like that, you big gaps and, and things like that. So I would assume, and maybe I'm wrong, but I would assume that um, the, the same kinds of things that are affecting everybody else are affecting the equipment industry too. I don't know about dealers. That's a good question. Again, I would say I get the impression that a lot of people are just getting through this and vaccinated or not, they're just getting through it. So I don't know how it's affecting farmers and dealers at the local level. One last question on the numbers coming out of 2021 before we switch gears a little bit. I'm curious, as you look at these numbers and you're looking ahead to the 2022 year, given what we know about prices and planting expectations and weather, any predictions about where the equipment market might be going? Does this seem to be like the trend will continue upwards? Do you expect it to level out? Thoughts? I, I, I think it'll continue upwards. I think short of something like what happened in 2020, where the industry was expecting not a great year, but a decent year in 20, and then all of a sudden you have COVID. So short of something really big coming up that is unexpected, I think it's going to continue to grow. I think farmers feel like they're doing pretty well given grain prices and things. I think the one concern is just the cost of inputs. They're paying their fertilizer bills and things like that. And that's going to affect different farms in, in different ways, but that those are big bills. And I think terms of machinery, the the there are farmers who sit down and plan it out. They're not just buying a, a half million dollar or more combine just at the last minute just because they want to. They're putting together uh, machinery plans and say, okay, this year we want to buy this, next year we want to buy that. And they're and so they're placing their orders as they need to, especially the long-term things that are just going to take a long time to get. Well, speaking of placing orders and making investments, you actually just got back from the Consumer Electronics Show in Nevada recently. Talk to us a little bit about what you saw there in terms of what might be coming in terms of equipment technology and new equipment. Okay, new equipment. Deer was there, and that's one of the main reasons I go. Bobcat was there as well. Bobcat has a brand new electric skid steer loader that's pretty cool. It's all electric. That's that's kind of neat. Deer was there. This is the fourth year they've been here. They get a, Their presence gets a little bit bigger year after year, and this year they actually built their own building out there. 
And what they were introducing was their new autonomous tractor. It's an 8R tractor 410. And so they did a big splash with that. It's a really interesting machine. The 8R is a production tractor. It's not anything different. This is a package that they put onto the tractor. So it's an autonomous vehicle. It's pretty cool. I've seen clips of it running. I haven't seen it actually running, but to see a tractor going through a field with nobody in the cab is pretty cool. It's pretty interesting. So Deere isn't the first to do this. Deere is the first big manufacturer to do it. And I think this is probably the biggest tractor that's doing this right now. Typically, there's a couple, three, four other autonomous manufacturers out there in California, for example. But typically, those are smaller tractors and using them in vineyards and orchards and things like that. I'm curious from your perspective, just as someone who's been watching the equipment space for a long time, we saw the Case IH cabless tractor come out yeah. in 2015, I think, to a really mixed review. I think a lot of folks didn't like the idea, one, of making such a huge investment that they could never get into the cab of, given things that might go wrong. And so I'm curious how seeing this as it's definitely autonomous, but it's also being able to put this autonomous equipment into maybe existing equipment that people have. How has that changed the way that people are thinking about it and that farmers are thinking about maybe trying it out? It's interesting because I did ask when I go cab or no cab, four or five years down the road, what do they see? And they see both. And uh, right now, the farmer still has to drive the tractor to the field. It, It can't go down to the road by itself. It can't cross from one field to another. So the farmer still has to get it out there, transport it out there. And then once everything's set up, once the field boundaries are defined and all those things are in place, and the deer will say, we swipe left to right and the tractor goes. So, but the cab is still necessary. Farmers still need to get in there. Operators are still going to need to get in there for whatever, for various reasons. But you could see a day when you might have a tractor like this with a cab and then other tractors out in a field, maybe without. But I, I don't know that anybody's really, well, let me take that back. I'm sure they've thought about it, and I'm sure they've got drawings of it, but they're, but it isn't anything they've made public yet. I'm curious as well, you did a really great interview recently with some of the internal folks at Deer who have been working on this. And it was interesting to hear a big part of this work comes from kind of recent acquisitions in Deer. This isn't necessarily something that Deer has been working on internally for a while, but they're partnering and and bringing in companies and experts into the organization who were previously in the startup space or doing kind of the cutting edge technology. Talk to us a little bit about what you've learned from those folks about how Deer is thinking about autonomous in general. Yeah, I think this is it's interesting because Deer bought uh, a company called Bear Flag Robotics last fall. I think it was maybe July, August, something like that. They bought Bear Flag Robotics and Bear Flag has a system, a kit that you can put on tractors to make them autonomous. Now, Bear Flags is different in that it, it uses a system of LADAR, which is a it uses light to, to identify things and essentially the laser light turns things into three-dimensional images and the tractor can react to that. Where Deere's autonomous system is a series of six stereo cameras that give operators a 360-degree view of it. And as the tractor moves down the field, the cameras are taking in information. That information is compared to a kind of a database of images that the tractor has and that helps the tractor perform the operations uh, that it needs to use. So Bear Flag and Deer were well on the road to their own systems and things. I'm not quite sure how they're going to pull these together if they have to. Somebody suggested you might have a combination of both on a system. I, I just don't know. But they're both interesting systems. They both have applications. The Deer is starting out. This tractor is going to be paired with a tillage tool, And that's their first shot into this is tillage. And so that's what they're going to do. 
I'm curious as well. I think when Case first came out with an autonomous tractor a few years ago, the reception was mixed, decently mixed. I'm curious what you've heard from farmers so far online or in person. How are they thinking about this new technology? Yeah, I think before I went in and talked to the deer folks about the tractor, I called a couple of farmers that I know just real quick and said, what do you think? And I think the, the answers were the same was, okay, so I'm sitting in the cab of the tractor and there's just things that go on in my mind naturally about the function of the tractor. How does it sound? What is it doing? Those kinds of things, just a thousand different things. Can these autonomous tractors do that? And I think Deer's answer is there's at least a couple answers. One is if the tractor gets to a point where it just doesn't recognize something, it stops. If, if something goes wrong, if it's at a point in a field, they use the example of a billboard on the edge of a field, it, it falls over and falls into the field. The tractor doesn't recognize that wreckage. What is that? So it stops and it waits. Um, it waits for the farmer to, to say, no, you can go around it. Or maybe the farmer has to come out and look at it. That's one thing. The other thing is there's a man there who's very interesting to me, Julian Sanchez. And he talks about trust and trust developing between the tractor and the farmer, the owner. And, and that's a real interesting thing is because to walk away from a 40,000 pound machine after you start it, you have to have some trust. And part of the trust is, is deer will acknowledge, the machine will acknowledge that not everything's perfect and that the machine will come to those times when maybe it just doesn't know what to do and it'll stop. Or maybe a tire starts going flat. So will the tractor tell the farmer that the tire is going flat? Yes, on that one in particular. So it's the communications between the farmer and the tractor. If the farmer's not surprised if it by something going wrong, that's going to go a long way, Julian says, towards establishing that trust, that things are predictable, that the, the farmer can feel comfortable that when there's an issue, the tractor's going to communicate that. So, But it's going to take time. I'm sure Deer has thought of how many different scenarios and things, but there's always going to be something new. And now that they've got, they said that they will say they've got more than 10, less than 50 of these units out this year. So they'll start getting even more real-world information, photography, imagery, I should say, those kinds of things. So the system will get better and better to grow over time. It will be interesting to see how that evolves. And I'm curious on the other side, we saw Deer make this announcement at the Consumer Electronics Show, uh, which is not an agriculture event. It is yeah. you know, for the general public. It's where a place where you mentioned like Microsoft and, and big car manufacturers and other big companies come. And it made like very kind of mainstream news. It, okay. it was a big topic kind of across uh, the country for the day. I'm curious just for your perspective on why Deer decided to make that announcement there and what that means in terms of making ag maybe a little bit more accessible, a little bit more interesting for a broader audience. I think so. I, I, I think they're, they want to make it more accessible. They go back, this is their fourth year. The first year they were there, they brought a combine and that was putting it in the middle floor. And it's one of the biggest things in the whole show there. So it attracts attention. And that's been their I think their their practice since then is they brought a they brought a sprayer and with the boons out and and I was there for that one that was interesting because people were coming by and all of a sudden you see this thing with these booms hanging out a hundred feet and in each direction people would just stop and they were to go what the heck what is what is this and that's kind of what they do and and they want to tell the story of agriculture they've 
They've had the combine, the sprayer. They've had a tractor planter out there. Now they've had the autonomous tractor. So they're trying to tell a story about agriculture. The other thing Deer does too is that is a recruiting area for them. They to make all this work, they need people with talent in all these areas in AI and in, in machine learning and all that. So they use that. They use the show also to recruit as well. Before we get to a couple of tactical questions there, I want to just touch on, you mentioned a couple of other ad companies there, bigger focus on maybe electric and electric announcements. I'm curious what the reception was that you've heard maybe at the show, maybe since then about, are farmers excited, interested in exploring more electric equipment? Or is there still some hesitation around either the power or being able to access the the electricity they need to charge? I'm curious what the thoughts were there on the electric side. Yeah, I think I've talked to some folks in California that, that are running battery powered tractors now and some landowners out there. And they're excited about California. I don't know all the details, but they have some pretty significant payments or programs to pay for vehicles that are going to be electric or go electric or whatever. And, and, and some of those programs also apply to agriculture. So for the folks out there where you're talking typically smaller tractors, smaller pieces of equipment, like I said before, and vineyards and orchards and those kinds of things, electric operation is probably going to be very desirable. I talked to one man out there. Um, they have about a 9,000 acre ranch and it wasn't the equipment, but they exchanged all their deer gas running, diesel running gators for electric gators. And for 15 of them, if I remember, and I, I, I said, I asked him about his employees, what they thought about him. He says he wasn't sure at first, but they they like them. They like them. So the issue is charging, charging them and keeping them charged and stuff, having charging stations. But I think out there, they're working out that stuff. I think there's a lot of interest in the Midwest where we sit, but it it's a little bit more coming, I think. I think you're starting to see some trucks and things like that. But as far as equipment, unless I'm blanking out on something. I, I I don't think you're going to see it here yet, at least for a little while yet. Great segue there into, I think one last couple of questions are around, if I am a farmer, I'm intrigued, I'm interested, I want to learn a little bit more about some of these products or technologies. Curious what you think is a good way to explore those and, and maybe talk a little bit about how people should be thinking about. Deer mentioned that there's some limited number of these out in the field, but it's not exactly something you can walk down to your dealership and and just buy. That's true. But I would still say go to your dealer, deer case, whatever, agco, whatever the dealer, go to your dealers and start talking to them about it. Find out what they're willing to, to talk about and talk to them about your needs and your questions and stuff. Deer very much encourages uh, people to go down to the dealership and start talking about that. What are your concerns? What are your thoughts? And start a conversation anyway. I think another thing to do is, is look for those what farmers do anyway, naturally, is to look for the neighbors that are doing these kinds of things. And one other thing that, that came up in a, in a story I did, and I thought it was an interesting idea, was have a champion on your farm for the, the data collection, for the electronics, for these kinds of AI, machine learning, whatever it is. Somebody who's able to spend time on the operation just to learn about it, keep up on it, help the family make the purchases when it makes sense. And then as a follow-up to that, I'm curious, hearing from the companies, especially Deer, how are they thinking about cost? If folks are interested, maybe not this year or next year, but in the next couple of years in exploring these technologies, is this going to be an insane investment or is there going to be some ways that people can access these in uh, a little in a way that is not too dissimilar from ordinary equipment purchases that they might do today? It's a great question, but they ain't saying. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I asked, you know, so how much is all this going to cost? Well, we haven't released it yet. So I don't know. I don't know. You're still buying an ADAR tractor 
now with with electronics autonomous package on it. So I don't know. We assume more, but I don't know what they're going to charge yet. I'm not even sure they fully know. I think that's something they're going to have to to adjust over time. Yeah, still a lot of mysteries out there, but it's super exciting. I'll throw to you any other kind of last big takeaways for folks, either from the show or from the numbers we're getting or any other big news that you'll be following? No, I think from the show itself, it's interesting to see all the electronics are out there, all the different, boy, the technology and and the applications for agriculture in terms of, say, drones or in terms of of self-driving vehicles and, and electric vehicles and stuff like that. There's so much going on. It was just amazing to see what was there and knowing that a lot of it was not there this year. I think for the rest of the year, though, hopefully we'll have more in the field stories from Deere and Case and, 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 and Agco and, and some of the other companies about the equipment they have going. So that's something we're going to work really hard on getting. To hear more from Dan and keep up with all the latest announcements in the world of farm machinery, head over to DTNPF.com or subscribe to the monthly DTN Progressive Farmer magazine. This episode of Field Post was brought to you by the team at DTN Progressive Farmer, with special thanks to Dan Miller. This episode was produced and edited by me, Sarah Mock, with support by Greg Hillier and Kylie Swanson. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And until then, remember, the future of farming is here. This episode of Field Post is brought to you by DTN Ag Weather Station. Are you looking to get more accurate, hyper-local weather information? By gathering weather and agronomic data directly from your own fields, DTN Ag Weather Station supports you when making targeted decisions around expensive or high-risk activities like chemical applications and irrigation. DTN's Ag Weather Station can be purchased for as low as $9 a month depending on your current customer status with DTN. If you're looking to increase your weather accuracy while saving time, please visit DTN.com.